calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everybody, this is Reppin, as in representation. We're going to be asking, what do you represent? What do you stand for? It's the literal definition of representation, but it's also going to include a broader conversation about the values, dreams my guests believe in and fight for, obstacles they faced, and a place to pay those lessons forward. We caught up with actress Michelle Celine Ong from Netflix's huge hit, 13 Reasons Why, and CBS's Elementary at a New York City coffee shop. Here's what she had to say. I know you're from San Francisco and you've lived in New York. Tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in San Francisco, what your influences might have been, or maybe what wasn't available to you. I feel very fortunate to have my childhood be in San Francisco and then New York. These are two very diverse places, um, very accepting. I went to a performing arts high school, (laughs) so that was a pretty good experience. I, I don't really have much to complain about when it comes to my high school experience. And I studied theater in high school as well as in college. So it was really great to spend time with like-minded people as I grew up. And as far as influences go, I think when I was just a teenager coming into college, I was just mostly concerned about art and why I was doing it. Looking back, I think I might have been a little pretentious, but I was definitely... <laughs> enraptured by like the world of art and of theater in particular and the history and the literature of theater. So it was really great to be able to immerse myself in that. But growing up in San Francisco and New York and, and you know, being Asian American and being in the arts, mm. uh, what kind of representation did you have or didn't have? Because when I was growing up, I had almost Nothing. no one, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. So what kind of representation did you have being Asian American, um, either that you saw on screen or even just around you? It's really funny because a lot of the conversations I feel like I'm having nowadays with a lot of my Asian Asian American friends, particularly in this climate that we have right now in terms of representation, a lot of them say, like, and they come to realize that I wish I had more people who looked like me growing up on screen. And then it, that led me to think back to how I felt when I was of that age. And oddly enough, I didn't really think about what I looked like, that I was Asian. I'm not going to say like, 
oh, I didn't know I was Asian because I, I knew I was Asian. <laughs> but right, right. I had my home life, my school life, and that was my world. And I didn't really think about, like when I was like 16, 17, think about like, oh, how am I going to make it in this industry? I just thought about theater is really fun. I love it. And it makes me feel really happy. And so that's all I focused on. And then when I came into college is when I started getting into the politics of it all and realizing that, oh, people really don't respect Asian people (laughs) in um, certain ways when it comes to representation. Because I can name one or two incidents that happened during college that was whitewashing and that Asian students within the theater program were very riled up for. Um, this so was that during was, the art school at that time? No, this was during college. Just during yeah, college. During college. Okay. Um, when you already I, kind of sensed the mm-hmm. lack of representation at that particular point? When I started college, yes, yes okay. because when I was in high school, I feel like it was very sheltered in a, in a good way, you know, because it was very, um, we were very close, like all of my classmates, and we just focused on doing the art and not really thinking practically about sure, how it sure. might manifest. So in this the real was sort world. of your first introduction where you felt a little yeah, bit underrepresented. Where reality really, yeah, hit. Because okay. I didn't, I didn't, it's, it's funny because my mom was the one who encouraged me to audition for the high school, the performing arts high school, and who saw that I love to perform and just encouraged that. So that's all I thought about in high school. I wasn't very practical. I was just like, well, this seems like something that I'm good at, that I love to do. Why not give it more depth of study? Right. (laughs) Let's go to New York. But when you were growing up, like even let's go like in high school, you said you and your classmates were very close. Mm -hmm. Did you have like a lot of other Asian classmates or was it predominantly white? Because for me, I was basically the only Asian American in my neighborhood and I grew up in New York. Did you have a lot of Asian friends? Was there a large Asian community? And did Um, you have any representation that you saw on screen? Right, right. Well, In terms of Asian friends and community, I did have a few, like a handful of Asian friends who, there's a big Chinese community in SF. um, So I didn't feel left out in that sense. And at school, it was really more like, what was your art and do you love it? Then like, what's your ethnicity? And when it comes to representation on screen, I really can't think of a single person except for maybe Lucy Liu. And she's fabulous. She is, yeah. She's, you know, sort of it. And the shows that I watched, I mostly Disney Channel. I just I didn't I didn't think about like, oh, this person, uh, there's no people that look like me on this show. I just thought, oh, what a good show. It was just it, not not like present in my mind when Got I was it. in high school. Well, you were still very young at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So when you first became more aware and sensitive to the lack of representation for Asian Americans. How did it land on you and how did it affect you personally and professionally? Well, the thing is, like in in college, I participated in a lot of like conferences about diversity and representation on Broadway stages, specifically on like Broadway stages, not off Broadway. But there was a coalition called the Asian Pacific I think Asian, it's called APAC, and it's like a, a group of Asian American, like actors, producers, writers in New York who take it upon themselves to collect data and show, okay, this is the percentage of Asian people, black people, Latino right. people on stage versus the percentage of whites. And like the pie chart was like right. 90% white. So I was involved with them, I think, from my sophomore year of college on. And I think from my involvement with them, I began learning more and more about how like intrinsically you can't like extract 
politics from from theater and vice versa and and that's when it really came to light for me that oh this is this is a real problem i never realized that i when you grow up thinking like oh white is the default you're just like oh this is the normal you know and so you automatically i think equate white with normal right right and i just that's i think i remember that was when it like came on for me i was like oh this is this is a problem when you became aware that this was an issue being underrepresented you know when i told my family that i wanted to get into entertainment and the arts there was a concern it's a very difficult and fickle business it can be and especially for a minority quote unquote it can be even more challenging mm-hmm. so were there any sort of encouraging words or values that your family instilled that helped you push through and continue despite how challenging it can be i think just it's typical like immigrant values i think my my parents work very hard and they always instill the sense of of like determination and focus and just keep your nose to the grindstone sort of attitude and mind your own business type of a thing and just like stay humble and focus on what you love to do try not to compare yourself to others which all have been very helpful in my journey so far yeah i'm very grateful for them for laying the foundation as far as immigrants go they grew up in indonesia i was actually born in indonesia and we immigrated here when i was 4 and that was their decision to like pretty much uproot their entire lives and move across the world where they don't know anybody yeah literally typical typical and i think it's just it's just something that's just been instilled in me and my brother from a very young age so i take it to pretty much everything and awesome you know all so, the projects that i do how about some other positive influences that you might have had growing up and even now in terms of uh, like asian representatives yeah. or just like or in, in general i think the people my role models in my life thus far have been mostly female and of color and i really looked up to acting wise viola davis throughout my entire college career and to this day like i will always stand her as the kids say <laughs> because i think she's an incredible actress and outspoken like activist for representation and just for women's rights and whatnot and i remember when i was in college constance wu was also very outspoken yeah, is is very outspoken but especially then not many people were and she used her platform i think really well to give an authentic voice to what she really felt so i followed her a lot um and then so many leaders in the community here in new york for theater uh, and know that pun bandu and like a lot of people headed the coalition who you know collected the stats for broadway shows as well as like bd wong who came to a conference about this and i remember he gave a speech about why representation really matters and he said something he was like i people don't understand you know the usual rhetoric he was like i would love the opportunity to play a white person are you kidding me <laughs> and everybody just like erupted into laughter and i've i've never really forgotten that moment i really also enjoyed reading there's this writer her name is deep tron she writes for american theater and i like just kind of devoured her articles throughout college because she writes very cohesively about why representation is so important and why appropriation is so offensive to people who are you just you know flippant about it and thinking that oh this is just why are you so angry about it it's just frivolous there's other things in the world to be angry about and she was like well take your hands off my kimono to hear white people or something like that in an article right 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Lucy Liu was your example of Asian representation at that yeah. particular point. Yeah. And now there's Constance Wu and there's Crazy Rich Asians. Obviously, it was a huge hit. Aquafina, you are... An- well, well, the thing is, like, it's always been there, though. And I feel... And I know I'm not the only one because I've talked to so many other Asian, Asian-American people and artists about this. Is There's the common thread between all of us, I feel like. I know growing up, if I saw, like, an Asian person on TV or on a billboard, even on, like, a stock... Or something, you know, whatever any like sliver of representation I'm like who is this person I need to know right and I can only really come up with like Lucy Liu and maybe Brenda Song and Sweet Life you know for Disney Channel um but a lot of my Asian friends I feel and I like I've like been a fan of Aquafina since Yellow Ranger yeah, since I was yeah. in college and I was like who is this like Chinese rapper rapping about <laughs> You know, right. her like fresh face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. Energetic. Because you're so hungry for that. You're like, yeah. who is this person? And and thank God, you know. So they've always been there. It's only it's only like when the tide turns. It's not that they came out of nowhere. It's like they've always been there. And now you're just only paying attention. For me, it seems like there has been more. Asians on screen now, mm-hmm. but for you, do you see us moving forward in the right direction in terms of Asian American representation? Yeah, I really, I really do believe that. It started to happen, I think, 2015, 2016, right as I graduated from college. Netflix did an open call for this new show that they were doing, so I submitted through an open call, and they really, I think, focused on finding the best actors for the part, which led to the diverse cast that you see on 13 Reasons, and I think that's why it's so... A big reason why it's special and and why it resonates with so many people because that many more people can see themselves in it, among other reasons. But I definitely do see the shift. Um, it started with that. I'm not saying it started with 13 Reasons. I'm, I'm yeah. saying I, I started to see it like in 2016. And then Crazy Rich Asians, it's going to be a marker now, I think, in like our certain history. Like, oh, this is when things started to like creak open a little bit more. And it's evident. Like you can see it since then. There's been so many other um, projects that star Asian people that aren't necessarily written by a white hand. You talked about Crazy Rich Asians and Lucy Liu being the example for you and Constance Wu when you were growing up. Obviously, you being on a hugely popular show on Netflix and your character, Courtney, is a lesbian Asian, right? Yes. Okay. That is um, a double minority. What was that like for you to come out of school? You talked about lack of Asian representation Mm -hmm. in school, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then you came out of school and you landed this role (laughs) that checked almost every box. It, It really was like the best first role 
what I think any actor, new actor could ask for. And I'm def I was definitely spoiled. There were great directors and writers and I think an overall team that helped us actors, you know, really find our characters and whatnot. And the role in the books weren't originally written as, you know, like a gay Asian character, but the writers of the show felt like they needed to have a reason for Courtney to act out in the way that she does. Right. And found a way to, I guess, address issues of representation and also sexual orientation yeah. at the same time. And I think that's really clever. They came up with this backstory, like perhaps she's acting that way because she's scared of who she truly is and she doesn't want to upset yeah. her gay dads. But it's definitely complex because I, at first, was was confused. I was like, well, if she has two gay dads, then why is she? But then I was like, oh, I, I, I get it. I wouldn't want my kid to have to face all of the prejudices and pressures. Right. If I knew what it was like, there's no way. Can you share with us one example, uh, maybe a fan said something to you or an experience where you realized that your role on this show has really impacted someone's real life in, in the most positive way. The comments that really affect me when I hear them is when people come up to me, I guess, especially when Asian girls come up to me and say like, I feel seen and I feel heard and, and, and present and valid in this world. It makes sense in like a deeply psychological way that I don't think I've mined fully yet. That's, I think one of my most, I guess, that hits me the hardest, that, that kind of comment. And then some other people have come up and said, you know, I have, I, I have a friend who I suppose is struggling with his or her uh, sexual identity and, and watching the show and your character's progress really helped and um, something of that variant. And that really, yeah, that really hits me. <laughs> I, I do think that I was some kind of speechless because... Because it had to hit me too. Right. Like, that's what when, I meant how it hit you personally. Because exactly, you realize because like, a role has transcended a screen. Yeah. What you do, you bringing this character to life yeah. has really impacted a young adult. Right. But yes, definitely. And I and I am so grateful for that. And I'm so happy that that has happened. And the show has been such a guiding light for a lot of people. When I was working on it, though, I was I wasn't thinking about that I was right, thinking about right. serving the character in the story and then when it came out and it's so strange to say this but I think my castmates and I knew how special this project was and Absolutely. how much it meant to each of us and we were all proud of it but I I don't know if anyone ever really knows that a hit's gonna be a hit right and right. 13 is a hit like it is it is yeah so when when it exploded like virtually overnight we were I think all just off guard a little bit <laughs> sure, yeah. and it took a bit of adjusting for sure I think we all kind of grew into our roles and realized the uh, responsibility that we had unconsciously taken at first but then we were like okay this is this is we we either can take it or we can shy away from it and I think a lot of us has really stepped up to the plate absolutely and I'm really proud of my um, castmates for doing so speaking of stepping up to the plate Nancy, <laughs> you have certainly been a outspoken advocate for Asian Americans mm. can you talk about how you're using your platform to embrace this responsibility 
I had a conversation with myself before I graduated from college. I was like, okay, say, Michelle, you have a BA in theater. This was before, <laughs> okay. this is before I, 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 I got the part. I was like, what are you going to do with it? How am I going to contribute to changing the world? Because I feel like being in art school, in, in high school and in college, a lot of my colleagues and classmates were, were very, you know, like aspirational, like, oh, I, the, all the, all the good intentions like I want to change the world I want to change the world I'm like that's great and I'm like well how do we get more specific how are you going to change the world well I can't cure cancer I don't have like certain skill sets to do certain things that other people are doing like in politics or medicine whatever and I feel like in this industry I was like perhaps I can work on that by ensuring that people realize how important representation is and diversity is within American media and I suppose literature and just basically making representation my, my um, I guess, purpose or path or mission in life as one human, as one person. Like, if you want to change the world, you got to find, like, a really good skill set that you have and, like, find one piece of the world that you can actively work on. Yeah, and in absolutely. that sense, you're changing the world or you're going to change the world. I mean, you so. definitely are pushing the conversation forward and that awareness forward by using social media. You're posting all the time. That's the fun thing to do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I... I Mm. So people communicate exactly. That's too. like one of the biggest strengths of social media, and it's why I haven't extracted myself fully from <laughs> Instagram or to otherwise. I would just be like I can't do this anymore. I'm serious. Like social media is a double-edged sword, right? Like, um, yeah. It's some people like I sometimes I feel very overwhelmed by it, but sure. for the most part, it's a really great tool for connection and for speaking your thoughts and getting your voice out in the world. What kind of steps forward do you see us needing to continue to make to further that need for representation, understanding and inclusion? I think we just need to focus on like supporting each other and and really, I suppose, if this, you know, if one should wish, like really um, searching out like young Asian American writers and just creators and lifting each other up and supporting each it's as simple as that just like making sure that we ride the momentum of this and that we bring others along for the ride I find great pleasure in in looking up like emerging young Asian American writers whether that they be like screenwriters poets novelists whatever and just devouring their work and if I can like meeting up with them um to support and of course but also just like as a heart-to-heart connection because i love literature and i love reading and writing and so i what are some of the authors that you see up and coming some of the people that you love ocean vuong has um a book out that i love it's called on earth we're briefly gorgeous and it's a really beautiful book and i think he's such a talented like poet just writer and person and there's this book called the incendiaries by aro kwan it's just very it's astonishing and thrilling and unlike anything i've ever read before so i'm just so like Excited that works like these are becoming more and more uplifted and recognized by everyone in the right. industry, not just within the Asian Asian American community. There's so much I could spend like five minutes listing everybody, right? But I won't do that. <laughs> what do you celebrate with the Asian American heritage? Your family being immigrants. What do you celebrate? I'm Chinese and I come from a Chinese family. Who, a lot of them who grew up in Indonesia. And I'm also American. And I think within my specific culture and family, resilience is a trait that I really admire in a lot of my family members and, and one that I hope to emulate throughout my life. And just uh, strength and this idea of um, 
impermanence. We talk about that a lot in, okay. in my family or so. It's like, so we're not on this earth for that long of a time. How are you going to spend your time doing the best that you can for your family, but also for others, you know, beyond you? And then after you're gone, is it going to be a better place than when you enter? Like, that's the big idea that I think we talk a lot about in my family. And I'm really appreciative of that. And I think it's definitely worthy to think about you know, for any person to keep like in their heads as they continue on the journey. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. How does it feel to know that you are involved in furthering this awareness? You, Michelle, are part of this movement. What's that feel like for you? Well, I feel I feel very honored and I feel like there is a responsibility. And I know that I have to be careful in a lot of ways and really think before I speak. But I feel like I've been trained to do that since I was young. So I I just feel very like empowered and, and ready to help in whatever way I can, not just for Asian but like for all POCs in the arts as well, um, to be allies for all POCs. I and mean, can only speak to my experience specifically of being an Asian American artist, Chinese right. American right. person. For all women, Asian Americans yeah. that are fighting to be heard and fighting to be seen, what would your message to those people be? If you have the luxury and if you have... Um, the luck to be able to choose your path in life like to be able to have a passion and and make the choice to pursue that first of all that's already like a very courageous act to be like yes this is what i'm going to do despite all obstacles and i think after that decision it's just a matter of knowing that you made a really well-informed decision and just going after it like teeth bared and and just trusting that everything's going to fall into place and and knowing that there are people there to support you I, i think it's just having the confidence to ask and to work hard it's as simple as that. What are you up to, Michelle, <laughs> these days besides saving the world and fighting for equality and representation? representation. Um, where can fans keep up with you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram. At On Twitter, I'm at Michelle Celine and Instagram, it's at Michelle Celine Ong. I'm working on a few other creative projects. I'm currently writing or working on a feature as well as just talking to every Asian writer that I can and just keeping track of that and getting more into like the writing producing side of things as well. So, Michelle, before we let you go, we're trying to do a signature sign-off. If you can let us know who you are and what you represent. Hi, I'm Michelle Celine Ong, and I represent equality, representation, and radical honesty. Thanks so much to my guest, Michelle Celine Ong, for hanging out with us. To my crew, my technical director and musical composer, Nelson Pinero, for his work and care. To Gracie Kong for her unwavering cuteness, love, and support. Next time on Reppin, we have a great actor coming by, John Huertas. He played Sergeant Antonio Espera in HBO's Generation Kill. He was also Detective Javier Esposito from the long-running and very popular series, Castle. And right now, he is Miguel Rivas on NBC's enormous hit, This Is Us. So come by, check us out. Reppin is a Suburban Outlaw Productions. Till next time, stand up and represent. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues— 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.